Dr. Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Hello, and welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour. I'm honored that you're here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I've always been fascinated by the all-time greats, and one of those all-time greats would be the singer, actor, recording artist Dean Martin. It has been 25 years since December 25, 1995, the day that he passed away. Dean Martin, his daughter, who is a very talented singer and recording artist in her own right, has done a show which you can access on her Facebook page as a kind of memorial to her father. It made me remember this interview that I did, which was broadcast on the radio in Charleston, South Carolina, on the FM dial. This was my interview with Dina Martin. I thought it would be cool to bring this out. It has not been heard since it was broadcast over the airwaves. If you want to support the mission of the Paul Leslie Hour, you can do so. Just go to thepaulleslie.com. Up at the top, there's a button that says "Support the Show." It only takes a few seconds, and it's a big help. Let's get into the interview with Dina Martin. I hope you enjoy. Please let me know what you think, ladies and gentlemen. It is our honor and pleasure to be joined by this woman. She's a singer, recording artist, performer. She's the author of the New York Times bestseller "Memories Are Made of This: Dean Martin Through His Daughter's Eyes." Our guest is Dina Martin, who has released four albums, including "Swing Street," released in September 2016. Dina Martin, it's a great pleasure. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be on your show. How are you today? I am.、Uh, I'm okay. I'm a little. I'm a little crazy. I'm. I'm good. You know, we're packing and unpacking, going to do shows and getting this new album out. It's very exciting. It's a crazy time, but that's how my、uh, life is. Before we get to the present, let's go back a little. What would a snapshot of your formative years look like? Oh gosh, were they! I was so lucky. Let me go to one of my first. The reason why, actually, that I am、uh, here singing and, and doing all of that. I remember going to Capitol Studios, Capitol Records, up on Hollywood and Vine, you know, up there, and and going with my mom, walking down the the hallway to Studio A, and she was holding my hand, and I'm looking at all the photographs that are on the wall, and it, you know, it's. Frank Sinatra,、uh, Nat King Cole, Bobby Darin, Peggy Lee, Keely Smith, and we walk into Studio A, legendary Studio A at Capitol, and I see a whole orchestra, about forty-two piece orchestra, and my dad standing over on a little podium, and I sat on a chair, a little, I don't know, aluminum chair. My feet didn't even touch the floor, and I saw my dad record his first number one hit, which was "Memories Are Made of This." I thought, oh my gosh, he! It was so exciting to be there and do that. Then imagine going home and there would be a, a party, and maybe Sammy Kahn was sitting at the piano, writing,、uh, you know, or, or singing one of his songs like "Time After Time," or "Ain't That a Kick in the Head," <laughs> and, and people would be there like,、uh, let's see, maybe Peggy Lee, Rosemary Clooney, Tony Bennett, Frank Sinatra. Uh, it was an amazing life, 
But aside from all of that, from the uh, from the people who would be there that I would learn from eventually, and, and singing and and being on stage, uh, there were seven kids, and you know here we were, and Dean Martin was our dad. He was as funny and as sweet and as kind as he seemed, and down to earth. That's who he was. So it was one big crazy household. Everybody was a ham. Everybody was running around, you maybe playing tennis or in the pool or uh, listening to music, and that's what it was It was like. And, you know, going to school, I went to Beverly Hills Catholic School with Lucy Jr., Desi Jr., went to Marymount with Tina Sinatra, you know, so it was uh, quite, a, quite a life. It sounds like your house had a lot of noise. It, there was so much <laughs> noise. Now imagine, imagine, seven kids, and if everybody had a friend over, you got 14 people right there. Wow. And it was, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was very, very funny. It was, it was fun. As I say, everybody had a good sense of humor and that you had to in the, in that family and everybody had to, you know, I mean, it was, it was an amazing, amazing life. So if someone was to eavesdrop in the house, what would they hear? What kind of chatter would they hear on any given day? What would the, the hustle and bustle of the house sound like? Well, I'll tell you, let, let me give you uh, an idea. Maybe it would be dinner, dinner time, and all of us at the table. So now there's seven, so there's nine of us, you know, my mom, dad, all seven kids, and we'd be there, you know, talking about what we did at school that day, and my dad would pick up the salt and pepper shakers, put them up to his eyes like binoculars, and go, they're coming around the track, they're coming around the track. Or he would throw, you know, someone say, pass the butter, he would throw some butter. Okay, so, I mean, it was funny, it was crazy. He had such a fabulous sense of humor, and everybody tried to be funnier than than he. But, you know, we would just be talking about what we did that day. You know, it was um, interesting. It was very interesting and funny and just, you know, lighthearted. There was never any... Dad was so sweet. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. If we were to do something wrong, say if one of the kids did something wrong, and for maybe coming home, and as I did, I would come home late because I was always next door or something with girlfriends. So if I'd come in late, then finally you would hear, okay, you're gonna, Dad's going to take you into the den. He's going to give you a talking to. He's going to take you in the den. <gasps> oh, no, not the den. Because when you had to go into the den, that means Dad, when Dad got home, he would close the door and you're in the den with him, and he'd have to talk to you. So everybody was so nervous about going in the den. So he'd go in the den, he would walk in, close the door, and he'd look and he'd say, well, now are you going to be late for dinner anymore? I said, no, I'm not going to be late for dinner anymore. He says, okay. Now pretend like I was really tough on you when your mom asked me. I said, okay. And then we'd walk out. And that's about as tough as he got it. This was, you know, he would say, this is my house. You live by my rules. And if not, there's the front door. And I remember saying, but dad, I'm nine years old. He said, it's okay. <laughs> so, so we never really, you know, touch with, did anything wrong. We weren't bad kids. We just, you know, he was an Italian father. We respected him. And his thing was, you know, it's my house, it's my way. You live by my rules. And none of us ever questioned that. We were just, we were good because that's what we were taught. And I don't know what's going on today. You know, if we never talked back to our parents. If they said to do something, we would go do it. It was just there wasn't a really a question about that. And, you know, I would go over to a girlfriend's house and, you know, maybe she'd yell back at her mother. I'd go, my God, she yelled at her mom. Times have changed. Hmm, indeed. 
Mm-hmm. We're joined by Dina Martin. You've already mentioned a couple of songs there. What songs do you associate most with those formative years? Oh, it definitely ain't that a kick in the head and that's amore. We couldn't go into any restaurant without that's amore being played. <laughs> and, and, you know, memories are made of this, of course. That was a, a, a big hit. I mean, I was uh, really little for that. But when I hear Everybody Loves Somebody in 1964, that was his hit record that knocked the Beatles out of first place. When I think of Dean Martin, I think of Everybody Loves Somebody knocking the Beatles out of first place. And I remember Dad sending um, a telegram to Frank Sinatra and Elvis Presley. And he said, I did it. And that's all that it said. Because <laughs> you know, no one could really get the Beatles out of the first place in those years. And so for me now, you know, personally, I close every one of my shows with a toast to my dad, and then I sing Everybody Loves Somebody. What would you say is the biggest lesson you learned from your parents? Definitely from from my dad, he taught me to treat everybody the way you wanted to be treated. And he would say, uh, now, you, know, if you're, you know, it's not that he wanted to help us. He didn't, you know, get us onto TV shows or, or do anything like that. He said, please, you know, when you get on, you've got to be good. If you're good enough, I'll let you come on my TV show. He said, but please don't embarrass me. <laughs> yeah, that was one of his things. Don't embarrass me. Just go out and do whatever it is in your life that you want to do, but be the best at it. And he said, always be on time. He said, be early, in fact. Don't keep people waiting. Know all of your lines. Stand on your mark and sing from your heart. And those are, those are the things that I, I try and, and do to this day. But that was that. And he would, you know, say, leave people happy, uh, you know, when you, when you leave. Don't, don't be obnoxious. Just go in there, do your work, and make people laugh, and then leave. That was what he taught me. You have this album, Swing Street. For those who are uninitiated, how would you define swing? Oh, gosh, something that makes you want to get up and dance. I really, I really feel that. And these songs that we put on Swing Street, just because that line comes from 52nd and Broadway, a fabulous, fabulous song that Gail Cantor and Patrick Williams, and Patrick, who arranged and conducted almost all of the songs on the new Swing Street album, one of the first lines, it said, meet me on Swing Street, 52nd and Broadway, and we'll dance the night away. So it's just, when I think of swing, I think of good times and uh, just getting out there and, and having a, just letting go. And so that's what Swing Street is about for me. And the songs that are on it, I think, are, are fantastic. I'm going to be putting all of those in, into my new show, which is a little, little scary when you're doing new songs <laughs> in front of lots of people. Especially, you know, when I think of Strangers in the Night, this arrangement of Strangers in the Night, it really swings. And it's, it's different from Uncle Frank's. And it's just, uh, it's, a, it's a tempo and it's, it's a feeling. But to me, swinging is, uh, is a feeling. So what was the spark that inspired this album, Swing Street? Well, the title is definitely from 52nd and Broadway. This album, my... This is my fifth album. <laughs> this one is, it's been two years really in the making. I like to put them out every couple of years, but we were so busy last year with all of the shows, I didn't get to, I didn't get to sit down and do it. But I have a wish list. What I do, I have a wish list of about 200 songs now. Whenever a singer hears a song that they want to do, you know, I, for me, it's, oh, I've got to do that song and I'll write it down. 
So when we went in to meet with Patrick Williams, who has, I don't know how many gold and platinum albums and Grammys and even a Pulitzer Prize. He's amazing. He's written on TV shows, movies, all of that. We went to meet with him at his at his office, and we sat down, and I said, all right, we've got to narrow this down to about 14, 15 songs. And we sat there with him going through all of the songs, and we finally got it down to about 20. And then um, my husband, who is the producer of the album, he said, well, Patrick, do you have any songs that you think would be great for Dina? And he pulled out Hearing Ella Sing, I've Been Around, 52nd and Broadway, Good Things Grow, and I Know What You Are. So we listened to all of those. I said, oh my God, these are beautiful. All right, so we're going to take out five more of my songs, put these in. And then I said to him, I'm a little bit embarrassed about this next song that I would like to do, but I want your uh, expert advice and what you think. And so I sang a little bit of Spooky for him, and he closed his eyes, and he said, I've got it. He said, how about um, Peggy Lee meets Fever meets Spooky? When he sent me the arrangement, I said, that was it. So it was perfect. So it takes a long time to make an album for me, but then narrowing it down to uh, just the right songs that will be on the album. And I think these are just, it's just a great group of songs. That's how we, and I named it Swing Street because of 52nd and and Broadway. One of the songs on the album, Hearing Ella Sing, it makes me curious, did you ever meet Ella Fitzgerald? Yes, I did. And, uh, you know, I idolize Ella. I remember when she was on the Dean Martin show, she was on a couple times, and Dad loved singing with her. In fact, he loved singing with everybody. He made everybody feel so comfortable. And when I heard that she was going to be on, I... I went down on Sunday afternoon and met her and just sat there and watched. Because what an amazing, amazing voice. And when I heard this song, when Patrick played it for me, I said, I've got, I've got to do that. Absolutely. And it's a challenging song. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun song. It's great. And, uh, but Ella Fitzgerald is just, I've always loved her. When I was first reading about this album, and I saw the title Tennessee Whiskey, I thought, could that be the Dean Dillon song, the country song that was recorded by George Jones and (laughs) David Allen Coe? I thought, no, maybe it's something else. And then I heard it. And wow, I was curious. What do you think about country music? I started in country music. I started in country music. Lee Hazelwood was my producer. And the first songs I sang was Girl of the Month Club and When He Remembers Me. I went to uh, Nashville, and I did a Music City, USA, and I'll never forget, and it was so funny, because I'm thinking I'm 7, 18, 17, 18 years old, and I went on the show, Music City, USA, and the band was there, and the can't think of his name right now, but he said, okay, find your C and follow me, and they started playing, and I was able to sing, and it was so much fun, but I, I loved country all my life. And then, of course, Dad. And then, of course, I got into rock and roll when I had my rock and roll band called Chromium Plated Streamline Baby, and we played the whiskey and all over, but silly name for a rock and roll band. But Dad did a lot of country songs. But when I heard Tennessee Whiskey, I said, I've got to, I've got to record that song. It just, it touched me in such a way. 
And, of course, then I'm thinking, okay, Tennessee whiskey, I think that's Jack Daniels, Frank Sinatra. I said, there's a connection. (laughs) Okay, I have to do that song. I think it turned out great. Yes, very cool. Oh, thank you. And then just south of Tennessee is the state of Georgia, the Peach State. What made you want to record Georgia on my mind? First of all, I've always loved the song. I've always loved that song. I, I just thought it was great. And, and, and then finding out that Hoagie Carmichael, because, you know, when I was growing up, I, I heard the name Hoagie Carmichael all the time. And I didn't realize that he had written Georgia on my mind. But I always loved the song. I, and a million, a million people have recorded that song. So I wanted something a little bit different. But I love, I love the song. And Dave Walpy, that's his arrangement. And I just said, gosh, you know, because we've used a lot of Dave's arrangements. But I, as I said, I wanted something different. Love the song. And so we recorded it, and I think it turned out just great. You know, the whole album to me, each song is special. And Georgia with, with Hoagie, and it's kind of a swing, you know. And when you ask me about swing, that's a swinging version of Georgia. Throughout your recording career, you've done some duets with some very famous people that are found on your albums. Yeah. Iconic singers, Jerry Lewis, Andy Williams, your father, Dean Martin. Yes. Who would you like to record a duet with that you haven't yet? Well, one person, and I spoke to him about it uh, when I was over at Cabo, Michael Bublé. Love to do one with Michael. He said yes. And then I got a call from uh, Mickey Gilly, and Mickey said, we have to do a we <laughs> said, so we have to do a duet together. I said, I would love to. And so, so Mickey, maybe, uh, maybe Tony Bennett. I think those would be, uh, those are three guys. And, and you know who I love is Steve Tyrell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great singer. Great singer. And he's got, he's got soul and he's got such a, a fabulous personality and I adore him. And he will do one with me also. So those are, those are some of the people, but there's, you know, it just keeps, it keeps going on, and each day, you know, when I wake up and I'll, I'll hear somebody saying, like, oh, my gosh, I want to do something with Bruno Mars. You know, it's, uh, it's <laughs> there's no end, you know? There's really no end to uh, the, the people and the, the music, and it doesn't really matter to me what genre it is. A good song is a good song, and it, it's all about the arrangement and your interpretation of it. And I think, you know, Frank Sinatra taught me about interpreting a song and he said to live with it for you know a while and it'll change as you sing it and he's true you know the the songs that i've been singing for a while as you get older as you mature or situations in your life as they change the way you present the song and interpret it will change and that's what's exciting about it so it never gets old you know i was just thinking about some of the guests that i've had on this program great singers in their own right their parents also were singers. Uh, we had the late Frank Sinatra Jr. on this program. Oh. Monica Mancini, which not a singer, but her father, of course, the great composer. Yes. yes. Also, Lucy Arnaz. And, <laughs> oh gosh, I know I'm, miss, I'm leaving. Oh, Antonia Bennett. And I'm not listing these all to name drop, I swear. But what do you, what do you think it is? It's, in, in some ways, it's challenging to do that, and in some ways there may be opportunities that aren't available, but all these people decide 
you included to go into music to follow this passion. Yeah. Well, and first of all, I know all of them, and I love, you know, and I, I miss I miss Frank Jr. so much. What a, what a shock that was. Because, uh, you know, we did duets together on my dad's show. and uh, Well, I grew up, and also with uh, Lucy, of course. And Monica, uh, you know, I adore her. And Antonia, you know, I, I haven't seen her in, in a while when she was a, a little girl. I mean, she's she's fabulous. But here's the thing for me about going into, uh, you know, family business. For me personally, I think that it's, um, first of all, I was always, I've always been musical. I just love to do it. And as I, you know, I might have mentioned before, you know, all the Martins are hams. But I was given an opportunity to, you know, I had, you know, tap tap dancing lessons and ballet lessons and piano lessons. It was just something that I just grew up in that business and that environment watching all of these incredible entertainers that we knew. And for me personally, having Dean Martin as my father, who is so well-loved all over the world, I mean, everybody, everybody adores him. And being a girl, I don't have to... I don't think that they are going to scrutinize me as much as they would, say, a Frank Jr., because that's tough. You know, he's Frank Sinatra Jr. His voice was very much like his dad. He was very musical, and it had to be maybe a little tougher for him because of the comparisons, which is going to happen. For uh, Monica, she just has a gorgeous voice. Same with Antonia. So I embrace that I'm Dina Martin. Dean with an A, maybe that's why I was born Dina. <laughs> and I think he was so well-respected. I do not think, this is between you and me, I don't think that he was given the, uh, the respect as a singer that he should have. He was a fabulous all-around entertainer. But I think that when you sit down and listen to uh, Dad's songs and his voice, that gorgeous, easy, beautiful, beautiful voice, he was amazing. So for me, being his daughter and embracing him you can't get any bigger than Dean Martin. And I know when I walk out on stage, uh, people are, they loved Dean Martin. So I, I think that, that when I come out, they want, to, they want to like my show. And they do, you know, because I work very hard at singing and entertaining. And, and back to when my dad said, please just don't embarrass me. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's, what, that's what I do. So I work very hard at it. Now, one thing, I had no idea it was going to be this tough. I didn't know it was this hard because dad always made it look so easy. <laughs> you know, I mean, he did, you know, and he just, I mean, but he, he worked hard, but he, uh, he got out there and he made it look easy. And that's what I try to do. But all of those uh, people that you mentioned, they're all musical. And it, when you grow up with that, and if you can embrace that, I think there's no stopping it. I think one of the best descriptions of Dean Martin's music was when Regis Philbin in his book, when he said that when you're, when you're feeling like mellowing out, it makes you mellow. And that when you're feeling like you want to be excited, it makes you excited. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Did you know I he said that? that? I, you know, I don't, I didn't know. I think he was telling me when he was writing the book, because he, I mean, what a huge Dean Martin fan he is. Uh, unbelievable. And he's such a, a doll. Gosh, is he funny. And he's, you know, and he, and he's out there singing. In fact, I sang with him. Gosh, I'm trying to remember what a few years ago, but we adore Regis. He is a doll, and he's got that. He's got that absolutely, absolutely right. I've got to remember that quote. Thank you for reminding me about that. Yeah, it was, it was in the 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 last book he did. 
Someone who has kind of popped into the news lately, and we mentioned earlier you had done a duet with him, Jerry Lewis. What is Jerry Lewis like? Jerry Lewis is like a nine-year-old. He's totally crazy and amazing. And, of course, I grew up with him as Uncle Jerry. And he never stopped. And he is that goofy, crazy, but he's very serious. He's, he's serious, and then he's hysterical. And you never know what's going to come out of his mouth. But he, I adore him. We did a show, I'm trying to think, it was a couple of years ago, and we had no idea what he was going to do because you don't know what's going to come out of his mouth. He's very uncensored, and he is hysterical. And there's something, if you like Jerry Lewis humor, and I do, because I just... There's something about it, it just hits my funny bone. You know, I mean, silly, crazy things that just tickle me. And that's, that's what he does to me. But as far as a human being, there's, he is a genius. I think he is an absolute genius. Did you know he invented the video assist camera? Wow. Yeah. When he was directing... Of course, now he loves to do everything. He loves to he loves to write, direct, uh, you know, do the costumes. Do the, I mean, you know, when I think about Jerry Lewis, he loves to do loves to do it all. Loves to be in control of all of that. And uh, when he was directing and when he was starring in some of his movies, he invented the video assist camera so he could see what what the scene looked like as he was acting. So I mean, he's he's brilliant. He really is brilliant. His sense of humor is amazing to me, uh, goofy, and and he is like a nine-year-old child. But I adore him. What is the best thing about being Dina Martin? Ooh, that's, that's a good question. Best thing about Dina, being Dina Martin? Probably that I have such a, we have made such a, a wonderful life out of, of knowing, you know, what I what I'm supposed to do in my life. I have an incredible husband, uh, who is also the my producer and director and manager, and so we have a great life together. I have beautiful son, grandchildren. I've got grandchildren. I've got music, a fabulous family. But I'm able to go out and touch people. And one of the best parts about being Dina Martin is after a show, when I'm you know say signing autographs or meet and greet. And the stories that I hear about my dad and the joy that he brought to people in their lives, and these are people all over the world who come up and tell me how they touched their lives, how he touched their lives and changed their lives. And, you know, so for me, when I'm hearing that, I'm going, oh, you know, maybe, maybe that's what I'm also doing for people and that it will, it will last, that I have this connection with, with my father, with music, because music is... Music is your soul. Music is life. And so to be able to touch people the way that my dad did is so special for me. For me, I guess the best part about being uh, Dina Martin is is family and music and uh, being able to say, yeah, he's my dad. Well, speaking of that audience, for my last question, I would just ask that you address them and say whatever you want to them. Oh, gosh, for your audience. First of all, a thank you for this. This was a this was a very interesting interview, and I adored it. You asked fabulous questions, and now for your audience. Well, first of all, go on to dinamartin.com because it's a great website because you can see pictures and and stories 
and, you know, get the music and find out about all the things that we're doing right now, which is I'm in the middle of making a documentary about Dad because next year, 2017, it will be his centennial. Last year, I went around doing uh, shows for Uncle Frank because it was his centennial. And so this year, it will be for in 2017 for Dean Martin. And the documentary will be outstanding. We've already interviewed Florence Henderson and Angie Dickinson is going to be on Friday. Bob Newhart, Lee Hale. I mean, so many people are, are being interviewed for this fabulous documentary about Dean Martin. People are going to love that. We're making my book into a movie. Excited about that. But to go out and get the music, listen to my music, and enjoy everything that we, all the hard work that we've put together, assembling the greatest musicians, the greatest conductors and arrangers, and just enjoy, enjoy the music and come to one of my shows. Go on to dinamartin.com, find out if I'm going to be near you someday, and come to Las Vegas. Everybody can get to Las Vegas. I'll be doing a Christmas show there, and I'll be singing that duet I did with Andy Williams on the Christmas show. So for everybody, just enjoy the music because it's a, it's a gift. It was a gift that I was given. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Thank you very much for doing this interview. Very kind of you. I appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much. And we'll talk again when the documentary comes out. Beautiful. I'd love that. All right, Paul. Thank you so much. Well, that was very interesting, wonderful, and I enjoyed every minute of it. And you made me think. I love when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye.